Hello, everybody, and welcome into the MVP show for November 29th, 2020, a Sunday, leading you up to NFL Week 12 already. It's unbelievable, and we're past Thanksgiving, entering the Christmas season. I'm alongside Brennan Miller, and I'm John Vacari. Brennan, I hope your Thanksgiving was uh, was good, and mine was good, and considering the circumstances. And uh, Dan's not here. Uh, we're hoping to get him on the Sunday show as well. And this week, obviously, a weird week with scheduling because of the Thanksgiving holiday. But, Brennan, before we start, your Thanksgiving was good? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had – Dad made him uh, himself some homemade air – not air fried. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He made homemade mac and cheese that was absolutely to die for. I got to watch Antonio Gibson run all over the Dallas Cowboys, and I have him on my fantasy team. So that worked out. And I was playing against Zeke, who only had, what, eight points or something like that. So, again, great day overall. And uh, there was some good football on, on Thursday, too. Yeah. And I hope your brother had lots of stuffing. That's what I did. I had a lot of stuffing on uh, Thanksgiving, M- majority stuffing on my plate and turkey on the side and cornbread and stuff like that. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just want you, I, I just really want you to know that that is absolutely disgusting. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. And that was my reaction in terms of watching the games. I was happy with what I saw because the Washington win uh, helped the New York Giants. And that's what will lead into because as Brandon mentioned, Gibson ran all over the Cowboys defense. And now Washington's the first team to have four wins in the conference and for the time being our first place in the NFC East. But if the Giants today uh, defeat the Cincinnati Bengals, they would be, you know, in first, they would be four and seven tied with the Washington football team. But because the Giants have the tiebreaker, they would be in first and they would hope the Eagles lose as well. Because if the Eagles win today versus the Seahawks or, or excuse me, tomorrow on Monday night football, then the Eagles would also, or would be first. And then the Giants and Washington would be a half game back, but I'm saying this and the Giants have to take care of business today. This is a game in which they're favored by more than three, which I think is the first time that it's happened this season. Right now, currently, the spread is six versus a Cincinnati Bengal team that lost Joe Burrow to a season-ending injury last year, and I hope he gets better and he's slated to hopefully come back really just before next season starts. But since he will be without, Joe Burrow will have to start Ryan Finley, a career backup as their quarterback. And since his defense has been the weaker unit of the two and the offense and Joe Burrow very pass-heavy, uh, I think Joe Burrow before obviously he got hurt was the quarterback who threw the most passes per game in terms of pass attempts, not completions. So it was a really pass heavy offense. Now you have Ryan Finley. So they're going to have to alter their strategy a bit. Giants are coming off a bye week, which should help them as well. So all signs are pointing towards the Giants having no problem with this game, but you know, me as a giant fan, I'm not, I'm not calm. I'm not a, I, I wish that, you know, I could be, but the Giants don't blow anybody out. Am I confident that they're going to get the win today? Absolutely. But this is all the makings of a trap game to me. Taking Cincy too lightly like they did the 49ers early on in the season when they were just ravaged with injuries and Nick Mullins was their quarterback. What's different here? I mean, Ryan Finley may not be, you know, I don't really know uh, Nick Mullins, Ryan Finley in terms of their game. I just know they're both backups. But, you know, the Giants, again, don't beat anyone by a lot of points. This is going to be close. And you don't want to leave it up to one possession. And as I mentioned with Cincinnati's past heavy offense, they have weapons on the outside. So if Ryan Finley and the offense find something in the defense, they have a lot of weapons. So I'm not taking this game lightly. The Giants 
I hope aren't either. And I, I think they aren't because Joe judge said that this could be a potential trap game because when he was asked by the media early this week, whether he was paid paying attention to uh, Washington versus Dallas on Thanksgiving, which of course he was, he said, I'm not worried about the division. I'm worried about Cincinnati and, you know, and focusing in on them. So I, you know, obviously I think, and I, that's a coach speak, but I think their heads are in the right place, but Brennan, maybe you could, you know, you're usually the one to say, ah, oh, the Giants probably have no shot today, but maybe you could call my worries. But I'm, you know, I'm confident in a win today, but it's not going to come easy. It's not going to be over by halftime as much as I wish it was. Yeah, I think I actually just went and looked up the the ESPN kind of tail of the tape here. And, and the, the fact that interests me, these teams have played in, in forever in their history, 10 times, the Bengals lead 6-4. And the home team has won all 10 games in this series. So that uh, does not bode well for you yeah. uh, as the, the Bengals are the home team. You know, and, and, and these, these two teams, they kind of play into each other's strengths a little bit. I think you take a look at, at where the Bengals are a strong team. And that's, as you mentioned, on the outside with the wide receivers. They've got a lot of young talent uh, and a combination with A.J. Green, who at one point was probably top two, top three uh, wide receivers in the league. Um, he's probably not there anymore. Uh, but at the same time, you, he, you know that he's a guy who has uh, consistent hands when you can get him the ball. Uh, on the other side for the Giants, I think that their defense has been the strong suit this year. Um, and they just haven't been able to get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. So I think they kind of plays into one another. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Bengals come out and kind of game plan for this one. Um, because I, obviously you, you can't throw the ball as much as you had been doing. Um, if you're going to give the ball to Ryan Finley and have him throw, what, 56 times like you had your rookie quarterback do uh, in his debut, then it's not going to work out. It's not going to be a game plan that you can stick with. And honestly, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's a terrible idea for the Bengals to try and run the ball a little bit more. I mean, you look in the backfield, I know Joe Mixon's hurt, but you've still got Giovanni Bernard, who at one point, again, a top 10, a top 15 running back in the league. Um, a guy that you can hand the ball to and he, and he has the potential to make things happen. I get it that the offensive line is probably the weakest point on their entire roster. Um, but at that point, you just kind of have to try and get creative in, in doing these kind of things. Um, because uh, I don't know, you have to try and move the ball with a backup quarterback in the game. Um, and, and honestly, the Bengals should be used to trying to game plan with a, a weak weakness at quarterback, like up until this year, uh, and I mean, even this year, because Joe Burrow is a rookie quarterback, you're not going to put a ton of pressure on him uh, in his first few games. Um, you should know how to game plan and try and get around quarterback being a weakness for you. Obviously, they haven't won a lot of games, so it hasn't worked in the past. Uh, but I, I do think that it's going to be a good game. And, and as you mentioned, I, I completely agree that it's probably not going to be over by halftime. It's probably not going to be over by the end of the third quarter. Uh, I think these two teams go back and forth. And honestly, looking at, at the tail of the tape, I think it's, I think it's a coin flip. Um, I'd love to tell you I, I'm confident in the Giants. I do think they're the better team. I think that they should win. I think it's an important game for them to win uh, if they want to have a chance in the division uh, and to make the playoffs. I think that this is pretty much a must win for them because uh, I don't think their schedule gets any easier going towards the end of the season. So uh, they should win. They Their back is against the rope here. Uh if we want to use a, a boxing metaphor for what happened last night. But uh, I think that, that if they lose tonight, this could be the knockout punch that, that sends them uh, into that top. I mean, they're probably going to be top five at the, draft pick wise anyway, but if, <laughs> if they lose this one might put them top three uh, and, and pretty much ruin their chances at the division, because this is a game that, that they need to win. 
Yeah, and it sort of was what Philly was and where it's a determination whether the Giants are going for it and going for a playoff spot, a spot in the historically terrible NFC East or they're not. And you mentioned the schedule or segue into it doesn't get any easier, and it doesn't because the start of December, they have to go to Seattle, then versus Arizona, versus Cleveland at Baltimore, and then they finish up against the Cowboys, which could be for a playoff spot down the road. We don't know. But this is definitely a game you have to take because you look, again, Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore. There's not an easy win there. You know, no. the best I think they could go is two and two. You know, the best. The easily the worst case scenario is oh and four. And again, you look at the Cincinnati team in terms of just what they've done this year. And you mentioned two, seven and one, their tie being against the Philadelphia Eagles, which the Giants split this year. One possession loss against the Chargers, a one possession loss against Cleveland, one possession loss against the Colts and then another one possession loss against Cleveland. So it's a team that played, you know, may not get the wins like the Giants, but plays teams close. So I don't think this is, again, a second straight bye week for the Giants. One thing that is, I think, favoring them, Cincinnati has a terrible rush defense, and the Giants have used more in the last couple of weeks their run game. So if they could focus in on that and not have Daniel Jones be – the priority and, and develop a run game. It'll make it so much easier for the Giants offense to open up and, uh, you know, get the job done in Cincinnati. And uh, I, this game in terms of just uh, in history, because you mentioned the, uh, the season or the, the all-time rivalry record, because they don't play each other a lot, obviously, no. because AFC North versus NFC East. But every time, and you can look back through the history, it's always a close game for some reason. They played Monday Night Football, I think it was 2016, and Sterling Shepard scored a game-winning touchdown with like a minute to go to propel them. Uh, and then in 2008, which I think was – it might have been 2007 or 2008. I'd, I'd have to check. But I think it was the year after the Super Bowl. Uh, it was an early-season game, and Eli, a beautiful ball to Imani Toomer down the sideline, and then the Giants <laughs> won in overtime. But it was one of those games where people were like, wow, maybe the Giants have a shot at you know getting a two-peat, which obviously didn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, always, always a game that I don't think people, you know – circle on their calendars, giants bangles, but they're always usually close. And again, I wish it wouldn't be, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be close, but again, still picking the giants. And I think Brennan, you will as well. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's right, a, a good uniform color combination game as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Bengals orange with the giants blue. That's a, that's a great, they look great on the field together. And I only bring that up because I got game day out of the background and it was a uh, Notre Dame versus North Carolina, the game that, that went down on Friday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was another all-time uniform color combination game. Yeah. And I'm speaking of that, I don't know why Notre Dame ever changes it. Like, I know they, you know, maybe it's a bowl game or a certain, like, series that they have that they go with the New Jersey. They should never change their jerseys. But that's a side note. Some but, teams. Some teams that should just stick with what they've got. Because absolutely. Uh, I, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. It's a blue right. blood. So now we'll segue into a topic that sort of – evokes uh college and professional football and that's again i think covid going into a second wave i don't know if we're there yet but it's definitely taking its toll on football and especially in this weekend which was jam-packed with sports but you have five games yesterday that involved ranked teams that were not played it was highlighted by ohio state versus illinois and ohio state who's currently fourth in the college football playoff not getting a chance to elevate their status to help their case you know I mean obviously I know it's a conference game and Illinois isn't you know one of the top dogs in the Big Ten but a win is a win 
and that game has been canceled. So Ohio State is not going to get that. You also have Wisconsin versus Minnesota. That did not happen. And even though Wisconsin lost to Northwestern, if Northwestern lost in their remaining schedule and Wisconsin remained undefeated, there was a chance to go into the Big Ten title game. Now that they're not playing Minnesota, they don't have enough games to contend, so they won't be in the Big Ten title game no matter what they do with their remaining schedule. And then you look at the NFL on Thanksgiving, which we talked about at the top, Brennan. We didn't have Pittsburgh versus Baltimore, the main event on you know at 8 o'clock, and then it was pushed to 115 on Sunday, So and for some reason. Uh, so a couple minutes later than the 1 o'clock kickoffs, and then that got pushed back to Tuesday. So we're going to have another Tuesday night football game, which we had uh, earlier in the season between the Titans and the Bills. But that's it's not great. You know, you can't have, and especially a marquee game, because early in the season when it was Tennessee and people didn't know what Tennessee was, it was like, all right, you know, we won't get Tennessee this week. But Baltimore-Pittsburgh, arguably game of the week, it's not what we selected, but it, it could have been if we wanted to go in that direction. And – it's been postponed twice, you know, and Lamar Jackson has COVID. <clears throat> We're not sure if he's going to play as of this recording. And it's not a great thing for the NFL and Norso College. And obviously, again, this second wave was going to happen. It was, it was reported. It gets worse in the winter season. But this is when football starts getting into the playoffs, into the important games. You can't afford – a team maybe a little more in the NFL just because it's focused in on one day, but college might not have the resources to postpone a game and it may affect somebody in the college football playoffs. And obviously again, health is a priority amongst these players, but there's also, you know, people who, you know, and kids that opportunities may be taken away and you hope the schools and the NFL teams are using their resources properly to try and combat this. And, I think the NFL who and, and college who haven't been in a bubble, they've done they've done very good. But college, obviously, I think has taken the brunt of it. And you can't have each week, which has been the case, a lot of games that are postponed or canceled. And in college, again, as I mentioned, five ranked teams that will that did not play yesterday. Yeah, and I, th- I think it speaks to a bigger issue. Um, just the fact that I think we're getting too used to uh, to things getting canceled and and yeah. postponed. Um, I think I think. We, as a as a society, kind of need to take a step back and, and use some perspective. I want to talk about college basketball a little bit because I think that is at this point one of the one of the sports that is is most affected. Obviously, we continue to see numbers go up uh, in the U.S. population in general, and with that happening, that means more. Just you know, statistically, uh, more athletes are going to get it. More players from colleges are going to get it, especially at colleges because colleges are one of the uh, breeding grounds at this point. Um, but like, take a look at, at yesterday's slate of college basketball games. There were two games for top 25 teams that were either postponed or canceled. And honestly, it didn't seem like anyone cared. I mean, put that in perspective. Imagine if, I mean, think back a year ago, imagine if a game between uh, Kentucky and Detroit Mercy or Florida State and Gardner Webb was canceled because of uh, a disease or because of a pandemic going on. And that is unthinkable. That is front page news on every single newspaper around the country. And now I don't even think people know about the fact that college basketball has canceled more games this year than they had canceled all of last year for any reason. Um, I don't think there's any kind of perspective uh, as far as what these games mean and what uh, these teams have been doing to keep themselves uh, 
safe to keep themselves healthy. I don't think anyone is really paying attention to that because, you know, uh, the, the machine rolls on. The, the, the cogs yeah. continue to turn for both the NCAA, for the NFL, for um, what's soon to be the NBA and the NHL as well. These leagues will not stop uh, if there is money to be made regardless of how um, how uh, how these teams continue to treat all of this. And I think I think that's a bigger issue in itself, not just looking at the fact that uh, that a lot of these programs, especially these college programs, don't really have the capability to take care of players. Um, I mean, you want to talk about college basketball. There's there's over 200 college basketball teams. A lot of those teams are FCS members when it comes to football, either are too small to play division one football. Like they're not schools that have a ton of money. They're not schools with broadcasting contracts who bring in millions and millions of dollars a year because of athletics. They're teams that need to play because they have to go get beat up by number one through 15 in the country and have those teams pay them to be able to play them. That's why these teams play is to be able to make money. So while they are making some money, they're not making the same amount of money as, you know, the Blue Bloods, whether it be Kentucky uh, or or Duke in basketball or whether it be Alabama and Clemson in football. Like the, the, the ability to control spread and the ability to take care of your athletes after they inevitably get it because um, – all of these programs are still continuing to travel and still continuing to expose themselves to, to other teams and to, to people outside of their bubble of, of who is on the team. Um, I don't, it's just, they don't, some of these programs don't have the capability to take care of those players. And I think that's a huge issue that, that is not talked about as much as it should be. Yeah. And you mentioned in terms of just in not making news and I feel that as well for me as you know, with college basketball, I don't really get into it until, sort of football enters past their conference championships and into the bowls. And then I start paying attention to, uh, you know, college basketball and seeing which teams are for real and for not. But if a game was postponed, it would have been a lot of news, even if, you know, they like the iron bowl yesterday and a lot of other college football games, it would have gotten a lot of people's attention for whatever reason, you know, in, in a traditional year, if it was just, Oh, there was something wrong with the court or uh, you know, this player or something have whatever. But, you know, the fact, again, like, I didn't know that. I mean, you're, you're and again, I'm not locked in as locked in as, on, as I should be, I guess, on college basketball. But I figured there might have been a game postponed or not. But I couldn't give you, if you, you know, quiz me on the spot specific examples, you know, I, I wouldn't have. So it, it just shows you, again, that it's sort of become normal, I guess, in a way. And I don't want to say that, but it sort of has where it's just, it doesn't affect you as much as maybe it should. So. Right. No. And, and, and that's the thing. Like it's, it's become a normal thing for games to get canceled. And, and, you know, like both of us said, that's probably not how it should go. I mean, I'm, Oh my Atlanta. I just, I like, I, I clicked to all the games that were supposed to be played yesterday. Let me count the amount of games that were either canceled or postponed yesterday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13 games. <laughs> that were supposed to be played just yesterday uh, were canceled or postponed. I mean, including games with, with teams that are usually in the tournament, Utah had their game canceled, Maine, their season opener, Washington, uh, who last year was ranked within the top uh, 10, Fresno state, another big conference, Murray state, a team that made the, the tournament last year. And like I mentioned, Florida state, Kentucky, two ranked teams that had their game canceled as well. Like you can't, you got to be able to put it in perspective and say to cancel that amount of games uh, just on one specific day, that's, that's an issue in itself. And, and maybe you got to take a look at a, at a broader scope here and say, Hey, 
we got to try and get this under control a little bit better. Yeah. And I think college basketball, even more so than football, I would think has more of a chance of their season not culminating. And because one, it's one, it's too widespread. And two, these games are being played indoors. And that is a factor uh, compared to football, which primarily, you know, unless it's so it's North Dakota State uh, or Syracuse, I guess, is played in an open environment. So there, there you go. And again, hope, hoping for the best, but looking uh, tough as we go into December in terms of games happening when they should. All right, so that will segue us into our NFL game of the week lock and upset picks for week 12 already in week 12. And this is crunch time, Brennan, in terms of me maybe having to make some moves in the standings to stay in lockstep with you and Dan and we'll read Dan's uh, points, but he does not have his picks in. We'll read uh, where he stands and in in total, it's Brennan with 112, Dan 109 and myself with a hundred points. You get one point for a game you pick correctly and two for your lock upset and game of the week. If you pick it correctly, Overall record, Brennan leads the way 96 and 55. Dan is 95 and 56. And I am 85 and 66 on the season. We will start, I think, with our locks. And that's been our strong suit this season. I've hit three locks in a row, believe it or not. I'm six and five on my record. Brennan, you are seven and four. And a lot of lock candidates out this week because you have a lot of games. You had the two that were played on Thanksgiving, but then 14 more because there is no bye week for any team in the NFL. So you had a lot to choose from. And I'm going in a interesting route just because of the way that they've played uh, the last two weeks in terms of playing close. But I have the Saints versus the Broncos. Again, it's scheduled that Taysom Hill will be the Saints quarterback. Again, that all up in the air because Sean Payton's unpredictability. But I liked what I saw from the Saints. I liked what they could do without a traditional quarterback at the helm. They found creative ways short plays they didn't they didn't need to go for the home run they did a couple of times with Taysom Hill throwing it deep but they could easily move down the field running into Camara or having Michael Thomas slant over the middle to get a first down Sean Payton and this team's really well coached I feel they're a really good team that sort of goes uh I wouldn't say underrated but maybe sort of under the radar in terms of people paying attention to them because they have a very good record this season and they're doing well and I understand the Broncos again a team that isn't great. The playoffs may not be happening for them, but they play teams close. The spread is uh, New Orleans minus seven. We don't pick it with the spread. We give you the spread for context. We're just picking a winner. And I think there's no way that the Saints lose this game against the Broncos. It's one of the games in the four o'clock window, and I'm picking the Saints as my lock. Brennan, you're going to Monday Night Football, and a game I'm hoping uh, is the way you pick. Yeah, I, I was looking at the 49ers-Rams game. I think the Rams have played very, very good, especially over the last two weeks uh, in getting in getting quality wins. But I decided to go against that. Uh, my first instinct, which, of course, is always the best way to pick games. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Seahawks over the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think the Seahawks, despite the fact that their pass defense is the worst in NFL history by a long shot, uh, like, like blows the second worst defense out of the water. Um, I think they're still able to get a win against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think the Eagles have a lot of weapons on the, I mean, they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side, but they're not able to utilize those weapons very effectively. Um, and I think that Russell Wilson, even though he may not be in MVP talk at this point because of a few lackluster games, um, not last week, but you know, two or three weeks prior to that, uh, I think that the Seahawks are a good team in the NFC, uh, 
And I think that they're able to get a win. The biggest issue, I, I mean, I talk about the NFC. There's no team in the NFC at this point that I think blows any other team out of the water. I mean, you've got the Seahawks, you've got the Packers, you've got the Bucks, you've got the Saints. Um, it could really be anybody. Like you look at the AFC and you're like, yeah, it's probably going to be either the Chiefs or the, or the Steelers, depending on how many games the Steelers play at this point. Um, but in the NFC, I don't think there's any real big uh, – you know, team that you think is going to win. And I think that makes every game just as important for all these teams. And I think that, that uh, the Seahawks are not going to undervalue a win against uh, an Eagles team that they probably should handle pretty easily um, coming this week. So that's going to be my lock and in what is going to be an important game for both sides. So I have the Saints, Brennan, the Seahawks with his lock for NFL week 12. Now we'll shift into our upsets and Myself, Brennan, and Dan all have the same uh, upset record. It's been a struggle. Three and eight picking this. And we're picking, again, not to cover, but to outright win. And uh, it's it's obviously proven to be a little difficult. But I'm going with one I think that will happen this week, as I've gone, I guess, every other week and haven't been right. But it's Cardinals versus Patriots. Right now, it's Arizona one. It started at Arizona minus three and has shifted down. And I understand why. It's New England at home against a young quarterback. And I understand it's Kyler Murray and he's having a great season and the Patriots haven't been the Patriots of yesteryear are four and six this season, but going into Gillette stadium, which by the way, I made a mistake last week. I thought the Patriots were at home against Houston when I picked them. They weren't. I don't know. It was the only game I had wrong in my like, you know, preparation where I had new England home. I clarified new England is home this week against Arizona. That is <laughs> confirmed, confirmed by my sources. So I'm again, I'm picking new England against Arizona. It's close for some reason. Maybe it's the Patriots defense. You know, maybe it's because they think they will do good against a mobile quarterback. But last week they did lose against Deshaun Watson. But I'm following the numbers. It's Gillette. It's later into the season at home. Belichick defense versus a young quarterback. Maybe it's, you know, where Kyler Murray shows that he's not just a flash in the pan this season. But I think it's where New England will get a win that they desperately need if they want to stay in lockstep with the Bills and Dolphins ahead of the AFC East. Yeah, as far as who I'm looking at for my upset, um, I'm going to go with a team that I really hope loses this this week, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they lose to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I came out and, and talked a lot of uh, junk about the Panthers quarterback last week, and uh, I would like to formally apologize because I was incredibly wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's on me. That's absolutely on me. I just didn't think, you know, an XFL quarterback was going to be able to succeed, to succeed in the NFL. Uh, but, hey, that, t- you take what we do and, and we learn from it, right? Right, and the worst part, uh, the, the worst part was you shifted your pick. We, Me and Dan both just had the uh, – what was it? The Lions who got shut out. You had the Panthers and then Walker was starting and you shifted the pick live on air. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm oh. – yeah, no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not doubt the Panthers this week, and I'm gonna pick them as my upset over the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I know that Dalvin Cook is a good running back, and I know that he's probably gonna still run for 150 yards, but I don't think that's gonna be the difference maker because I don't think Kirk Cousins uh, is a good quarterback, and I think that the quarterback position is just a tad bit more important than running backs. That's why we've seen quarterbacks win MVP, uh, and they were talking about on Thanksgiving the last running back to win MVP was Adrian Peterson in the year he went for over 2,000, and that was eight years ago. So. It, the quarterback has become increasingly more important. And when your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, I just don't have a lot of confidence. Uh, you might be able to undermine me and say, hey, Teddy Bridgewater is coming back off injury and starting for the Carolina Panthers. Um, yes, you're 100% right. But I think I, at this point, have more confidence in Teddy Bridgewater 
than I do in Kirk Cousins. Um, and I think the Panthers are going to be able to come out and, and show that while they are a bad team, absolutely, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, they're just one of those mediocre teams that sits right in the outside, you know, doesn't get a top five uh, overall pick, but, but still is able to win a few games, um, but not worthy of the playoffs. I think they just sit right outside that area. And, uh, and I think that they're able to come away with a win because, I mean, we saw the Vikings have weaknesses. They lost to the frigging Dallas Cowboys last week. So uh, I don't know, question mark for, for, the, for the Vikings, and that gives the Panthers a win, I think. McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, that is, is questionable as well in that game. And now we'll shift into our game of the week. I think this is easy. I'm going to make mine brief. It's Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. It's the 425 game. We think the game of the week. And I just am thinking that Tom Brady is has fallen off. I, you know, the last couple of weeks he's looked uh again like a 40-year-old quarterback, I guess the way he's supposed to look. Didn't impress me on Monday night football. It's a one-dimensional offense that Tampa Bay has to hope they can exploit KC secondary. I don't think they'll be able to do so. I have the Chiefs over the Bucks. Brennan, you're going the same way because you're a smart man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, I, there is a little question mark because the Buccaneers have played good teams very well. They, they play up to the competition uh, very effectively. I mean, they beat the Packers earlier this year, um, but I just don't think that they're strong enough to take on the Chiefs, who, as I mentioned earlier, I think are the cream of the crop in the AFC, even though they don't have the best record, probably going to make it to the Super Bowl uh, representing the AFC. So I, I've got them over the Buccaneers in this one. So there you go, our locks, upsets, and game of the week for NFL Week 12. And right now, if you're listening live, shift over to our Twitter page at the MVP Show where you can find our YouTube link and a live stream to take you into kickoff from 12 to 1. Dan will join us as well. It'll be Brennan, myself, and Dan for the MVP Show. But that does it here. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy NFL Week 12.